0: Oh, Cheryl, it was stunning. It was spellbinding. It was
1: spectacular in every way. Cast iron brains. Podcast that, in celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month, is excited to integrate an unmistakable Latin flavor into the proceedings here by paying a fancy marketing agency hundreds of thousands of dollars for a temporary brand update. At their recommendation, we have altered the show logo to add a couple of sombreros on our heads and replaced our theme song with mariachi music. <laughs> And will otherwise proceed as normal, but with the infectious Latin personality that is bestowed upon us by our adoption of these unique and entirely respectful nods to Hispanic culture. Yo quiero, moss cast iron brains? De nada. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my buen amigo and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. (laughs) here we are. Lori is here too. How are you doing,
2: Lori? I'm good. How can you be sad when not only was there mariachi music playing, but I couldn't hear what you were saying.
3: So (laughs) It did drown out your voice.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll make sure to bring that down in the mix for the people. Tonight is uh, Monday, September 19th, 2022. My mom's birthday. Oh, Happy back birthday. on the birthdays. Happy birthday. Back on the birthdays. She doesn't shouldn't, listen. She doesn't really That's listen. fine. We can, we can make fun of her She can figure out how to ship.
2: make it work in her car.
1: Abe, my uh, tribute, heartfelt as it was at the top of the show, to the Latino, Latinx members of our audience, was a response to the National Football League and their decision this week to do a, a temporary rebrand of the NFL Shield in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month. And if if I told you, like, like if I was uh, just brainstorming with the buds, yeah. like, sitting around <laughs> shooting the shit and trying to come up with a plausibly inoffensive <laughs> but also wildly offensive way of <laughs> nodding towards Hispanic Heritage Month, I would have landed on... Let's just put a sombrero on the football and then run that out there. Right. Uh they got really close to that. They they put a That's tilde. So, they they so turned bad. the n yes. in the NFL shield into a an ñ, an like the the n with the little So how would accent it, How, over how it? would the n like when you say NFL would it be Right, N-yay, nobody says even
3: uh,
2: NFL.
1: Right, fl Nobody <laughs> says that. It's
2: But they don't say N A F A L. they say NFL. <laughs> right.
1: And also in the word national, nacional, there's no It's not
2: in yeah. It's not in that
1: word. Right. So it doesn't make any sense there either. You know, um the NBA
3: for years uh to do a similar scheme, you know, some sort of cultural thing with the Hispanics they would add like L to a team's like yeah. team like the L Braves, Heat. The, yeah, the, the, the Braves did Braves it this past it weekend. It
1: was the, it said Los MLB's Bravos. Right.
3: And I was thought, okay, that's pretty low effort. But then uh, this comes about it's this is so even not more so okay. the, their original idea must have been a hat. and somebody said no way somebrier. you
1: can't do oh, that maracas? I want to show you something uh and I you know this won't be a constant thing but I've been playing around with those uh those AI image generators right because they're they're just oh, fun oh yes and so I went to, oh my God. Oh, Jesus and all I did is I uploaded our logo, and I said into the prompt because what you do is you can either start just with words or you can start with a picture and oh. then add That's words it, their to it.
2: Skin is not.
1: And like... so I just took our logo and uploaded it into the AI machine there. And I said, "Make this logo appropriate for Hispanic Heritage Month." Oh my God! And what you're looking Whoa. at is what it shot out at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you need, if you're just listening, you really need to go look in the show notes because I'll make sure that it's on the website. Oh my God! Don't is... look with the appropriate you'll, you'll trigger become,
2: warnings. Yeah, it's trigger. It, it's bad.
1: But it. What it? They just stuck hats on us like, and made your
2: skin <laughs>
1: and made our skin
3: mexican latte colored, colored. Yeah. And, and, and the uh, the two states like georgia and virginia have lost some of its their shape right i don't
1: even know <laughs> That's right. they've lost some of their identity <laughs> they're holding things that look more like instruments or weapons th- rather than microphone I th- stands
3: I, th- I think i'm and about to commit suicide like like it, it Am I pointing a gun to my head? I can't tell from that. Right. No, no, no. I, you're
2: playing a musical instrument. Oh, is that and what it? Gave it an,
1: I gave it another shot, and I said... Uh, oh, no. In the prompt, I said, just make it more Mexican. Ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Similar problems. The microphone's maintained.
2: Stop doing this. The oh, microphone's
1: maintained, but the caricatures of us... Are considerably more offensive in this oh, it's one. It's not
2: okay. And now you're holding like a gardening like tool.
1: M- mustached Mexican dogs <laughs> is, yeah. is with a one with a like a farmer's hat yeah. sombrero type oh, thing, the other- and the other with a oh, green God. ball cap. Oh wow! And, and yeah, my microphone has turned into like a small garden and the, hoe.
2: The styling of the <laughs> art too is like the, what you see at a Mexican restaurant. Like the, uh,
1: and then finally the third no, one. Oh don't do it. I just I said spice this up with some unmistakable Latin flavor as <laughs> as the NFL did. And again, now we're suddenly holding what appears to be sort of mild weapons. Right.
2: Those look like cricket bats, maybe?
1: Yeah. And like the they've changed the lettering on everything just to sort of look vaguely more Latin looking, you know? Yeah.
2: I hate the world.
1: So, it's, it's terrible what the, I mean, this wasn't me, right? I want to make that clear. This isn't my fault. This is the computers. This is what they're talking about when they talk about uh, the inherent racism of our <laughs> algorithms, I think, is what they were getting at there. But I could be wrong.
3: Oh, boy.
1: Anyway, go to the website, brainiron.com, or just click through the, the link in the show notes to get a peek at that. Hey, the NFL shouldn't do that, right? Like, that's, that's just. Although,
3: do you think they shouldn't do. Because they're like, oh, we want in on this goofy stuff. The other leagues are doing it. We want
1: something to do. Like, do you think do they should.
2: Something else.
1: Well, they will. In October, everybody will be wearing the pink cleats no, and the no, pink no, socks. No, 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 no. I don't mean
2: something else. I just mean something else for this event.
1: Right. Like, yeah. like
3: just do the other, le- like, L, whatever, uh, or La, whatever, yeah. or Los, well, whatever. it doesn't.
1: I just Quite work. because the because feature
2: it, your uh, your Spanish speaking commentators. On they might the well TV. so week
1: three is the week that the NFL is going to make a point of this. Okay. I imagine because the whole crass reality here, the reason that the Dodgers and the Braves and everybody else in Major League Baseball has like forty seven different kinds of jerseys yeah. is because you're trying to appeal to people who like to collect things and also like you know you go like we talked about going to the grocery store and there's like a Kit Kat with like coffee yeah. and raspberries in it and it's like ooh ugh, yeah. that sounds disgusting but how can i not <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you want to also not ate, con-
2: i'm not eating it i'm trying it
3: and right. you want to also uh, say that with some authority like you don't want to say oh can you believe they did the thing and somebody's like oh no it's actually pretty good and now you have nothing like if you tasted it you right. like this is the terrible.
1: fucking awful Coca-Cola corporation which i've sworn off and not really been drinking much of lately they come up with like these goofy They're doing
2: new things. Like, ooh, Dream
1: World Coke. I what liked is it. that? I like Dream World. <laughs> I thought that one, that one was gross. It tasted like oh, I like that bananas one. or something.
2: I, yeah, something like bananas. They could also with baseball. Like, what percentage of your players are Hispanic? Lots percentage, over half. Yeah. So, like, not the same in the NFL. Right. So that makes it a little harder to just kind of seamlessly not culturally appropriate.
1: That's true. How many how many <laughs> There's probably Latin like, born Not
2: many. There's probably like NFL 4 players.
3: like Latin born Danny like NBA Amendola. players if that. Right. I mean I'm sure well, you know. whatever that, that
2: Latin born doesn't matter. It's just heritage. Right.
1: I don't know. I don't know if they're going to run out like Los Gigantes uh uniforms this what weekend is. or whatever they're going to do. I imagine that there will be some big branding effort. It can't just be that they put a tilde over the N. <laughs> they didn't
2: just put it, though. They, like, clearly just took MS Paint and yes. threw it on.
3: It was low effort. That That's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's not, like, some clear, like, solid design. It's just like, eh, somebody forgot to do they, it the night before.
1: On the yeah. other hand, they got us talking about... Hispanic Heritage <laughs> Month, That's which true. there's zero That's chance true. I would have done that otherwise. It's so.
2: bullshit because it starts in the middle of a month.
3: Uh, yeah, That's yeah. True. They should figure that out. A month goes from beginning to end, not halfway through. But are there any jerseys where this is on? Like this?
2: We don't know.
1: I don't know. Let's uh, let's Google that. Let's do some...
3: Like, throughout Sunday uh,
1: football, there wasn't any team that had... No, it's going to be week three that they're doing it. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. I'm not seeing anything about jerseys for sale or anything like that you can go to the nfl shop.com and shop the latin heritage collection get 65 percent off your purchase if you order uh here in the next three hours uh let's see four
2: percent of the nfl's players are hispanic point four wow point four
1: good content here we just browse the shopping page of the nfl this is your website shop.com
2: podcast
1: they got some Broncos with some see, that one right there. If you go
2: Broncos works. It literally yeah, feels cute. like
3: they're just adding onto it at the last second.
2: Yeah, but I like that. Broncos what is that? Like this a flag? one,
1: this yellow. It just looks like uh.
2: I don't see what Abe is looking at.
1: He's just the tilde over the n is what oh, he's yeah, looking at. Oh yeah, it's not okay. <laughs> can you imagine just rocking that hat. <laughs> Tell me that's not a hat that gets found at the Goodwill store for that like $3 horrifying. next week. Is that it? There's a couple of that's it. Are <laughs> the <they> entire <laughs> NFL shop? Are they already for Hispanic it Heritage down? Month is-, is like
2: Maybe it's not already. Yeah. It is the month. Maybe,
1: maybe we'll find out on, on Sunday when, when week three starts. Yeah, we I were watching. Like... This is now a sports podcast. I don't know if anybody <laughs> noticed. But all we do is talk about sports now here on the show. This is season. kind of
2: bullshit. That There's 0.4%, and they're not just telling me which six guys that is. Yeah. <laughs> like, just tell me who they are.
1: No, that would be racist. I'm pretty sure. Well, there's like a Villanueva for the Steelers. That's one. Let's just not go with last names and see if we can guess their heritage. That seems wrong. Not that I, you know, far be it from me. Danny Amendola. Yeah. We watched Thursday Night Football this year debuted. I mean, Thursday Night Football's been around for quite some time. The NFL week is way too long. There's no downtime anymore between the end of one week and the start of the next It's completely out of control. Totally taken over. Thursday night has reliably been terrible games for the last many years. Easily ignored, except unless you're a degenerate who wants to put some money down on some early week action. Uh, But this past Thursday was an exception. The Chargers and the Chiefs played on Thursday night for the debut of Amazon Prime-exclusive Thursday night football. They paid Al Michaels, an ungodly sum of money to get him away from NBC, in addition to bringing on uh, Herp Street, old Herp Herp Derp Street from the uh, college football world. Yeah, so it's uh, Al Michaels and Herbie Derp Derp Street for uh on the play by play and the color. And fine, like I, I noticed some problems with the stream, like we
2: it looked like shit. when I
1: first went there. It, Took a good like fifteen to twenty seconds for the stream to like even itself out, and then it looked reasonably fine. I saw people complaining about it online, but I thought it looked as good as anything else that I stream. So this over wasn't the an, an issue well, throughout. This this was just glitches no, 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 just at the beginning. Okay, uh, but then when when you first log on to the app, it gives you multiple options for viewing because which the, is
2: what I've been asking. Right, for. The
1: world that we live in now, you have like for example tonight ESPN. Has got two games going on yeah. that we're not watching.
2: I'm watching one of them.
1: They're on. I think it's on ESPN and ABC, and then or you can just watch on ESPN, and they'll like double box it, like you're watching NFL Red Zone. Okay. On Sunday, and then ESPN two or I'm one of the other on ones. Regular
2: ESPN right now, and it's just the Vikings Eagles.
1: Right, but I think that they're. I read about this. They're going to be like moving between games when something exciting is happening. Happening on okay. one like jumping around a little bit. And I think that you can watch the Manning cast on one of the other channels where the, the brothers, Eli and Peyton. No anyway. fun
2: with that audio. I'm listening to you guys instead.
1: Great. The point is that there are increasing numbers of options for what to listen to or watch when you are watching these sporting events. And so Amazon, following that trend, was giving us both the regular telecast, which had Al Michaels and Derp Street. And then there was a like a stats-heavy thing where they shrunk the size of the screen and then just ran like advanced metrics at the bottom is what they called it but really it was just like he ran for 15 yards as you just saw
3: like for fantasy uh,
1: purposes or gambling purposes what... presumably yeah for like yeah. fantasy purposes but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you're just watching one game yeah. no, like it... and
2: it shouldn't be you're not watching the game as much it should be an additional audio commentary
1: yeah sure whatever but the third thing that they had are you familiar abe with the YouTube celebrities, Dude Perfect.
3: I've heard of their handle. Are they the ones that do these
1: goofy shots? Yes. Right. So. so for many, many years now, it's this crew of like five super bros, just like the original bro. Full
2: adults now. Right now, right. like it's been a decade. At but least
1: our age, if y- not older. You have to stay with a the shtick. There's
3: a lot of like YouTube kid stars that are like like 19 and they're still pretending to be kids. Like you got to play. The hand you're dealt, I guess. I guess but, yeah.
2: their names were like Kobe.
1: There and were th- there was Toby a, there's a Kobe and, and a Cody and a Cody Corey. And
2: Cor- so yeah. uh,
1: there's only five dudes, and like three okay, of them they all have the same name. Three of them all have the same name with one little letter Anyway, I tune into that, and I was watching it, and it's super awkward because they've never done this before. They've never even had a live event. They're like,
2: super high energy.
1: Wait, is this part of the coverage? Like, um, yes. yes. So you, what I'm it saying is, you can optional... tune in to like another channel and no just watch way. the dude. You watch the dude, perfect dudes, them watch the, watch game watch the football around. game. While also fucking around in their, like, man cave of a set that they built, which Who's is it? just a big, like, warehouse where they rolled in a bunch of, like, rejected Double Dare games. Like, it was, like, extremely childish. And, it, like, it, it sums up the entire, like, p- anybody who wants to get all on their high horse about American adolescence being extended on... Add infinitum into the middle age of all of these dudes like this is exactly what you should be watching what if you uh, want to get like angry about that sort of thing I
3: always wonder what is the audience that you're trying to draw in with Dude Perfect like could you think that I have no idea because the Dude Perfect like, people are probably just regular sports fans right so they want to either watch yeah the, they
2: probably watch anyway
3: so it's like they're not drawing in new viewers
2: that's the thing they're doing it wrong they're not asking me you need a heartstrings version of the football game yeah you need the one telling me about that coach and his story. Yeah, you, and
1: Laurie wants the Savannah Guthrie feed of the I NFL do. game.
2: Who's that? I'm happy to provide it. Who's
1: that? Rinaldi? Maybe like that Rinaldi can No,
2: no, don't be <laughs> Just, sappy. Oh, Just that coach, like, his hey. wife is dead. A lot, of, no. a lot of
1: schmaltz out of Rinaldi. No, no, no,
2: no, no. That would be all wrong because it's still football. We're still Tom, watching football. I don't know. Tom fun. Rinaldi
1: gets the Chris Howards of the world to cry. Like that's, that's important. That's an important demo. <laughs> no.
2: No, it's a, it's a, oh, you think you don't like this team, but let me tell you about this guy. Right. Like, happy. Yeah. Happy, good.
3: Yeah, like context. That should be like a context. Yes. Uh, no,
1: oh, what you sure. want is five dudes in, <laughs> you know, tight polo shirts throwing shit at each throwing other, ping other ping for three hours.
2: Also, I will pay extra to watch a just crowd noise feed. Yeah. I $5 is what
3: I'll
1: pay. Anyway, a pa- Amazon Prime... Uh, a, not not a great product,
3: but I mean they're working out the kinks. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they'll get it right eventually. But I hear uh, to yeah. your
1: point, Lori. Next week, next week, I think they're, they're going to have the chocolate rain guy have a whole feed <laughs> to himself.
3: <laughs> it, you know, I see this every now and again. But like uh, the Nickelodeon people, they usually get a couple of games yes. at the end of the year. Are they that was fun going to incorporate them as well, or just going to be?
1: The dude not? Because that's CBS. Its own thing. Yeah, yeah, that's because that's Viacom CBS. So that you you only get that with the CBS. The people. CBS people, okay. But uh,
3: I think to your point, Lori, uh They said that if you have one of those fancy surround sound things, if you take one thing off, you'll you won't hear the audience. I mean, you won't hear the broadcasters. Cool. You'll hear just the game. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it should be a feed
3: that that's directly.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. A crowd
2: know. noise I, with the you know, the announcer in the stadium.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: No, that's the problem. The PA at these places is always a nightmare too. If you want to get me on my old man horse, any goddamn stadium I've been to in the last many years, especially these baseball games where it's supposed to be like a, let's hang out and enjoy the nice peaceful day at the ballpark. And they have the goddamn PA turned up to 11 and it's just thumping at you for three and a half hours. Like that is what are you? What are you doing? Yeah. I'm here to enjoy the ambiance of a baseball game, and I can't even talk to the person sitting next to me half the right. time. Yeah, but
3: that seems to be the uh, the general theme for most of these uh, sporting events. Everywhere. You can't trust people with downtime. You always have to constantly entertain them with something at all times.
1: Yeah. It's very weird. All right, let's let's get the rest of the football talk out of the way here. As long as we're doing it. I want to talk about the New York football oh, Giants, yeah. who are a terrible football team. I didn't watch this game, but I did follow the uh, play-by-play on my phone as it was going on, or the, you know, the live right. feed of the game. And I want to read to you how this game went just, I don't know, just through the first quarter. It's because it's horrific. The, the Giants end up winning this game 19-16 to against the Carolina Panthers. Neither neither of these teams are any good, although you wouldn't know it by the record. The Giants are 2-0 and now, and the Panthers are 0-2. This game starts with the Giants kicking off, and the Panthers guy on the kickoff fumbles, and the Giants recover at the uh, Carolina 22. So, great start for the Giants, yeah. right? They uh, proceed to go four yards in four plays and kick a field goal. <laughs> so, that's how... As they, they turned that turnover directly into gold by going four yards in two minutes. Next series.
2: Clock management for pa- you. Panthers,
1: Panthers go 15 yards in five plays and then fumble. and The Giants get the ball back.
3: Was it like uh, inclement weather? Were they playing through
1: like a storm? No, it was a beautiful day, I believe, in the, in the Meadowlands. It's always a beautiful day when you're in the Meadowlands, obviously. Can't hold on to the ball still. The Giants, they went 25 yards Ooh. in 13 plays, nearly eight minutes.
2: Yeah, this is clock management. This a, is good.
1: Eight minutes of football, <laughs> 25 yards, 13 plays, resulting in, you guessed it, another field goal. Wow. Now it's 6 nothing. The Panthers turn around. They go 13 plays, 58 yards in five minutes and kick a field goal. Giants get the ball back. 5 plays, 8 yards. Punt. Next possession for the Panthers. 6 plays, 23 yards. Punt. Next possession for the Giants. 3 plays, 4 yards. Punt. Wow. <laughs> the Panthers go 10 plays, 34 yards. Kick a field goal. Giants end the half with a 3-yard uh, drive or a 3-play drive for 9 more yards and then the half just ends at 6 to 6. Oof. Terrible, terrible football. Here's my question for you. Uh, that, was the, that was the entire first half that we just went through. <laughs> it was painful. It was more painful uh, if you were there watching, I'm sure. Oh, I can imagine. Here's the question. Yeah. This was raised by a uh, friend of the show, Thousand Man Jerry. He points out that Daniel Jones is on a contract year this year, right? And what he's afraid of is that the the Giants are going to win just enough games to the point where the Giants' ownership then offers Daniel Jones <laughs> – a lucrative and lengthy contract despite because, Daniel Jones not being worthy of it because
3: they appreciate his 11 drive 25 yards Abe
1: he just gets results
2: <laughs> clock management
1: he's who 2 had, and who 0
2: who one time of possession in that game
1: right, he's he's 2 and 0 oh, and i want to point out the rest of the schedule here cuz they've they've already beaten two teams that they shouldn't have i mean whatever the yeah. panthers probably a coin flip but they shouldn't have beaten the the titans to start the year right you assume that they're going to split within the division. Like, that's just the way division games work when it's the Giants and the Cowboys or the Eagles and the, the Redskins or the Commanders, as they're called now. You don't assume, even if one team is appreciably better than the, than the other, it's a rivalry game. These things matter. And I'm going to assume that they're going to split with everybody else in the division.
3: Division games are definitely tough. Huh? Let me tell right.
1: you. Now, the rest of the schedule... Aside from the divisional games, we have the Bears, not a great team. The Packers, not a very good team. But the, also, decent. I believe yeah. that game is in London. Wait, the Giants, Packers is in London? It's a nine thirty game.
3: That. Wow, big get for London. That
1: means London. Is it because the Queen died? Why are they getting, they usually get no, the Jaguars. They
3: every
2: year. I
1: don't know. But both of those games are winnable, right? They play the Jaguars this year, they also play the Ravens, so we'll, we'll chalk the Ravens up to a loss. The Texans are terrible. The Seahawks are terrible. The Lions put up a lot of offense, but can't play defense. Uh, are terrible. Are you making That's the, the case, case, Bob? That I'm making the case that this is <laughs> like a a ten to twelve win um, team okay. <laughs> potentially. Packers. It face they play the Colts in ball. in the second to last week of the year. Oh, don't worry. The Colts. The Colts are terrible, no, no, no. I don't know if you've noticed yet. Always a slow start. The point is, is if they around. just split within the division, this is like a 10-12 to 12 win schedule that they have, <laughs> uh, given how they've started. Is it possible that Daniel Jones takes the, wins the division, takes this team to the playoffs, and gets like a six-year contract for an ungodly amount of money and the Giants are stuck with him for another half I, decade? I just
3: can't imagine even in this rosy... Scenario that the f- it's not rosy. Those are terrible teams, right? But the Giants are not that much better or worse than those teams. Basically, it'll be a coin flip, right? I mean, they can very yeah, the, well.
1: The Giants clearly know how to win. <laughs> <I
3: think that's laughs> but, it, fishy, it, it should be noted the uh, Carolina Panthers started three and zero last year, and uh, the bottom fell out for no them. Much. So who knows how this thing uh, will go? But let's say it does happen as you describe. You don't have the front office, but like that, we're not winning because of him. We're winning because all the other teams fucking suck and. They're just things that win. Yeah, are but just... what
1: do you do? If you win fucking 12 games and you go to the playoffs, you're going to have like a 20th pick in the draft or something. Like, that's the other problem. Right. Is that this is a bad team that's going to win a bunch of games and not be able to draft a decent quarterback next year. Right. So, I... like, what do you do? You might as well sign Daniel Jones.
2: You don't. Whatever.
1: Is is Nick Foles available? Yeah, wonder, is he going to be a cult again I, next year? I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I wonder
3: what, what would be the option, the other option, like franchise tag. I mean, you'd be paying him a ridiculous sum amount, so you can't do that. And so, you're gonna give
1: him you are going to give him Deshaun Watson yeah. rapist money?
3: <laughs> It'd be like forty forty five million dollars, or just let him walk. I don't know. I, although, if you, if you don't believe in him, like why not just let him walk? It
1: is. I, I am guaranteeing you that Daniel Jones is resigned and is a giant moving forward and um and as Jerry says he's already mad about it I too am am already mad about so,
3: it so so is it I know it's just the two of you but is it a g- the general opinion that uh it's Danny just Dimes
1: I have no idea I don't listen to okay. I haven't listened to New York sports talk radio in quite some time I used to love Mike and the Mad Dog of course as I was a child who loved to hear grown men yelling <laughs> about meaningless things <laughs> How did that turn out for me? Just fine, I guess. Here we are, after all. Uh, But do you think that
3: they uh, – are are people, like, not into him? Like, oh, we need to suck so we can get rid of him so this won't be an issue at the end of the year?
1: Yeah, I don't know. My feeling is that he's obviously not that good at his job and should not be the quarterback in in the National Football League, and yet he's the quarterback for my favorite team. Mm. I, but again, I don't take in any New York media. I imagine that they don't love him up there. And I imagine there's like Bo,
3: is a
2: what they say. whole bunch Bo. of
1: awful idiots who call up the talk radio shows. And they're like, hey, he gets results, <laughs> gets wins. What are you talking about?
3: Good point.
2: Are you talking about your brother? I can't argue that. sounded like your brother.
1: It's the same people who would defend Stetson Bennett as a great quarterback. <laughs> Anyway, how about the Colts, Abe? Oh. The Colts had the Jaguars this week, and the Jaguars are real bad.
3: You know, a second ago, we were just talking about how difficult it is to win in your division. And this is exactly what happened. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into the first two games, uh, even though the Colts. 24 to nothing, <laughs> Abe, against the lowly Jags. So somebody looked into it, some stupid bead reporter, but they said the Colts have been shut out like three times in the last like 20 years, and all of them have been to the
1: Jaguars. Like, it's a weird, bizarre thing. They just- I watched the highlights of that game. It wasn't on here, and I did not seek it out otherwise. It seems like Matt Ryan spent about 90% of the day throwing into the end zone and getting exactly zero results. Yes. Like, every every highlight from the game was on the plus side of the field right. or deep in territory. And just, ch- like, if they just kicked field goals for every time that they tried to go for it on fourth down on the plus side of the board, they would have at least, I don't know, they would have come up with, like, 12 or 15 points, I think.
3: Right. Yeah, it just a lot of missed opportunities. They look terrible. They look, like, bottom. Uh, and maybe they'll end up there at the end of the year, just at the bottom. But every year they start out slow, 1-5, and 0-3. Oh and, and they turn things around. And I'm sure they'll do the same uh, this time. And maybe they'll right the ship. In week three, when they play the, the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> oh, man. Seems this is unlikely. going to be
1: terrible. Matt Ryan, 16 of 30 for less than 200 yards he, and three interceptions with zero touchdowns. Any guess as to where that rates on the QBR scale? It's, it's a 100-point scale, I believe.
3: Probably near the bottom. I can't imagine he's doing too hot the first two weeks. It's a 6.3 in that <laughs> game. He not play- good. Not only did he play terribly, like, the team, just garbage game that was like one of the worst games i've seen in a while
1: all right i guess we can wrap up our nfl talk close up on sports too dogs looked great oh yeah dogs looked like world beaters absolutely rolled all over the south carolina gamecocks
2: that's bennett puked
1: bennett drank too much water and puked all over the place <laughs> and went back out there and just heismaning all over the place out there against <laughs> the cocks great stuff there was actually a, a washington post piece that i read yeah for some reason the washington post wrote a whole piece they sent a reporter down to that game and had a piece talking about how the entire stadium was emptying out by halftime and it was he was counting the number of fans in the stands per section like getting 17 fans what? in one entire section <laughs> of the stadium that sort of
2: washington thing. post
1: wow anyway dogs look great and that last second so i was i was excited yeah you know, i was Forty-eight to nothing, or forty-five to nothing, something like that, right? As uh, I think it was 48, 48, 48, 48 right? to nothing, forty-eight now. Yeah, now, I, I know uh, nobody's interested in talking about gambling on this show, but <laughs> what forty-eight but seven, what right? Or well,
3: it's forty-eight nothing, basically. right? Yeah.
1: So it's forty-eight nothing, right? The dogs are about to finish off their second shutout of the year, right? Cause they they started the year against Oregon, zero points. Yeah. Three points. No, three points. Sorry. Then they had the second game against Samford in Alabama and or from Alabama, and they they gave up zero points to Samford. Right. So that's two games, three points, and they had less than a minute to go, and the score was still zero for the South Carolina Gamecocks. It was going to be three games, three points given up. Hard to beat that, right? right? It is like as a fan, you can't ask for anything more, except if you're an asshole <laughs> who bet. That the dogs would cover a 25 and a half point spread, and also the total would go over 54 and a half points, which you'll notice at 48 to nothing, that is precisely one touchdown and an extra point uh. shy of what you need to cover the over. And you might like have like a $25 bet on that, oh, which whatever. pays we out. We
2: won just as much.
1: Right, right. But it pays out $75. Like, that's, yeah, that's a no. nice little chunk of change. No. And he so you might, you might find yourself account. when the game is down to like four minutes left and the Gamecocks are driving towards the end zone and you're like, all right, they can't settle for a field goal yeah. here. They're going to have to go for it, right? And then you, you might find yourself upset when the Georgia Bulldogs get an interception in the red zone against the team that you don't like. It's like, what have have I done with my life that I'm mad that my favorite team who's currently experiencing great joy and I'm disappointed, right? right? Like, what's the matter with me? But good news, just a few minutes later – uh, after the dogs utterly failed to do anything. They, like, I don't know why you wouldn't try your best and try to march down the field and score one more touchdown. They did
2: well, try. When it you're was, up? It was the third string, and it was 1,000 degrees. When right. you're
1: up 48 nothing. I see no problem All right. there. They're not uh, uh, cognizant as, of the As Coach Spurrier used to say, <laughs> hang half a hundred on them, right? That's what you got to do when you have the chance, because it's not often that you get the chance to hang half a hundred on an SEC opponent. I know, but uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I suspect you know. Uh, didn't
3: uh, for the Oregon game, Georgia could have scored a lot more points. They just kind of pulled back because of their old coach. I was
2: reading. There's some sort of agreement between coaches that you don't do big. Yeah, shows. sure. Yeah, you, you don't shouldn't. show up. Somebody.
1: But,
2: yeah, so it, it's a matter of principle then, not Bob's gambling.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing is when I make these decisions about these bets, is I factor in the fact. That I don't anticipate very much fourth quarter scoring, yep. with the exception of maybe some garbage time touchdowns by the opponent, and that is exactly what I got with 58 seconds or something left on the clock, and the uh, Georgia walk-ons and like some freshmen that they found in the stands or something out there uh, on the field, they scored a touchdown and I hit my number and it was all it was all Look wonderful. That. Anyway, uh, we can talk about other stuff now. Abe, last week, Lindsey Graham proposed legislation that would ban abortion in the United States after 15 weeks. He is, of course, the senior senator from South Carolina. Yep. It would ban abortion after 15 weeks, aside from the usual qualifiers, the rape, incest, and uh, life of the mother, or what have you. Which, this is neither here nor there, but why do they give the Qualification for rape and incest later in the pregnancy is the, is the part that doesn't make any sense to me. What right?
3: Do you mean? Like, like they, somebody... they, they, they know
1: that they were raped at the beginning? Did you not find out that you were raped you or incest? You cannot incested? find out.
2: You cannot want to talk about it. It doesn't matter. You're done talking about this. Right, right
1: But But the, the point is that the the exceptions to me don't make any sense in terms of the timeline because you know. You don't find out that it's an incest baby no, no, at no. week twenty-seven. But
2: you, you have sure. a lot of Maybe shame I was locked and in the basement or whatever. Th- lots of reasons. It doesn't matter.
1: Sure. Although I'm just pointing the way, out the this, this silliness. This pointing out, by the way, I think this is the
3: first I've ever actually heard of this. Like, I've heard of, like, no exception whatsoever, but, like, the, why would you need all this extra time anyways, which is uh, not an argument I would make, but uh,
1: this is the first time I've actually heard somebody no, say that.
2: it's also a bullshit I'm thing, just saying, because because the pro what they'll life, say,
1: from the pro-life side of the ledger, like, it doesn't make any sense to give that extended no, window. for because
2: th- what they'll do is they'll say... Oh, it wasn't rape because you didn't report it.
1: baby.
2: It'll be bullshit and you just gotta keep your fucking mouth shut about it. Me? Yes.
1: What are you Why? What are you so mad about?
2: Just like, stop.
1: Stop what?
2: Oh, why why what why you got what if it's incest? <laughs>
1: like I'm pointing stop. out the absurdity of Republicans offering that as some like where they're like, Well, I'm not a monster. I allow exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother past this arbitrary limit that I'm setting at fifteen weeks anyway. So to me, the arbitrary limit, like it, it it's mealy mouth bullshit from them. That's what I'm saying. I don't know why it's making you so mad. Anyway, uh Abe, why did Lindsey Graham do this? Because he didn't make anybody happy. I have a theory. I wonder if you will present my theory to me before I do it. Well, I mean uh, I know that you I know that you think that this was very stupid, well, okay. but why did he do it?
3: So, on on the why I assume like he, he he sees that this is a potential obstacle and he thinks that he can get some common ground and make this issue of abortion be secondary to the issues that they want to prop up, which would be inflation and other uh, considerations, right? That they think they have a better chance to take back the Senate, uh, that at this point is looking more and more unlikely. Like they had a chance at the beginning of the year, and now it's going the other way. So he thinks, I propose this. We get enough consensus built around it, and 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 that'll be the answer uh, to the question that all the Republicans are being hounded by, which is like, what the fuck are you gonna do about this, right? And they don't really have an answer. And he thinks he can point to that. Uh, just a point of clarification, the 15 weeks, as I understood it, was only for states that are, had more lax rules than 15 weeks. If you have a more restrictive standard, like six weeks, like the heartbeat bill, you can keep that, right? So the 15 weeks
1: is not across right. the it's board. A, it's a floor, not a ceiling. Right. So basically, it's, it's trying or, to bring- is a ceiling, not a, however well, you yeah, want to think of right. it. But yeah, 15, 15 weeks sets the national ban at- at that number. And then if you are Mississippi or Florida or Oklahoma. Oklahoma and you want to have a six-week ban or a heartbeat ban or a, a fetal pain threshold ban and then you want to make up some day where fetal life feels pain, then you can do that. But it would be a national ban at 15 weeks, right. correct? Right.
3: So so in my data, I, I'm assuming the reason he's doing it is so he can get some support so that this becomes less of a hot topic issue. but. The reason why it it didn't really play very well is because who is the audience? Again, going back to the dude perfect thing, who's the audience for this? Like, if you are in a blue state, why would you agree to this? And if you're pro life, you know, to the extreme, 15 weeks is not, uh, that's way too far out. For them, right? So, to, like, say,
1: to say nothing of the fact that Republicans have spent the entire summer saying what we really want is what the Supreme Court wants, which is to return the authority of this to the states right. and let the states decide, right? That's been the talking point all along. Here's my theory as to why Lindsey Graham did this, and it is not to find common ground. It is, in fact, the exact opposite of that. It is to put out this 15 week ban as a punching bag for everyone. And it's not just for Democrats who obviously took the opportunity to say both true and also occasionally outrageous things about what Lindsey Graham is trying to do here. Uh, but that was that was built into the scenario, right? Now, you're never going to make Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi happy about an abortion ban when we're six weeks out from election or whatever we are, right? So obviously that wasn't going to happen. Further, uh, McConnell said... I don't think there's room on the schedule for that. <laughs> uh, not much appetite the schedule for that. And so McConnell's not interested. None of the other Republicans, like anybody, Mike Lee, not interested. None of the other, anybody who's on the ballot, not interested. People who aren't on the ballot, not interested. This was designed by Lindsey Graham, possibly by people, by by the McConnell types who actually run the show in the Republican Party. Uh, for Lindsay to take one for the team here, he just got reelected he doesn 't have to worry about that he 's pretty old he 'll probably run again, but it's this won 't factor right. in to whether or not he runs again in a few years. This is him going rogue to take some heat off the rest of the Senate. He stakes out a position that nobody else wants at the federal level, which allows Republicans who are currently running for office to reassure the squishy types within the gop uh that it or or that the GOP isn't actually going to ban abortion, right? right? Like why we wouldn't do that? We just had one of our most senior members of Congress introduce an abortion ban and it was a complete non-starter for his entire conference. So you, the suburban moms in Atlanta and the suburban moms in Minneapolis or whatever, you don't have to worry about the Republicans doing this at the national level. Because our guy just put it in motion and got absolutely no traction with it.
3: So it was designed to fail, so to show, oh, there's no appetite and there's no uh, support for any sort of federal ban, even though each state is still left up to their own decision making. Like West Virginia, I think, had a near total ban law passed, and Georgia's doing the six weeks. There's all these states that have these very, very restrictive laws. You don't think the
1: people right. in those states? I think states, that this, per, this perversely takes it off the table for a lot of people.
3: I, this, I don't know. how this, To me, it seems like it's like a very small like blip because the, the it didn't really land his proposal. And if it is, as you say, like just a a thing to kind of draw attention away, I don't understand what this changes. Like, if you were a Georgia voter concerned about the abortion rights. Cares?
1: I think it's easy to look at this and look at Lindsey Graham proposing this and seeing that it got no traction whatsoever at the federal level, and tell yourself that the Republicans aren't going to do anything about. But they're this, not concerned they about the majority. But is that where the concern is? Aren't they concerned about
3: Georgia doing what they've done and Texas doing what they've done and West Virginia? Only
1: if it's actually on the ballot, right? Only if so. As as they proved in Kansas, as they're going to prove in I think it's Michigan, where there was all that drama about this. Law from the early twentieth century, oh, yeah, I think like 19th, even the late nineteenth century. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was it even older? And it was I thought it was over a hundred okay. years old. I don't I don't know how precisely old it was. But it, it banned a whole host of things, including abortions, and the Michigan people had tried to get this on the ballot as a as a referendum question and that got tossed out in court because for some bogus reasons about like the the grammar of the thing was not quite right to to one judge's liking or something. But the Michigan Supreme Court, I believe, has decided that this is going to be on the ballot. And so in places where it's actually on the ballot, I don't think there's any – there's not really any getting away from it. But in in places where it's not exactly on the ballot, like in Georgia, where it's just sort of Herschel versus Raphael Warnock, rather than there being an actual line item – on the Georgia ballot this time around, I think that it will play significantly less of a but have, have less impact. So
3: a, a lot of the ads, and I live in Georgia, uh, so I see a lot of these ads, way too many. But half of the uh, ads, like on the for the governor's race for like uh, Abrams, is about abortion access, right? Like so, like clearly they think it's a big issue. And on the other side, camp is mostly just talking up, "Hey, we opened early and things turned out fine." Keep me in office because of that. Like, it's right. a- well, it's
1: all all Democrats have. Like, they can't tie themselves to Biden. Like, he had a big bump in his poll numbers recently, and is uh, according to one approval rating poll, is all the way up to forty five percent approval right. with the American people. Within striking distance uh, which
3: of fifty percent.
1: <laughs> sort of, yeah, but not. It's not good, and it's not something where you are like, okay, yeah, I want Joe Biden to help me out down here in the Atlanta suburbs. Like, he's not exactly a, a boon to things. Right
4: now.
3: No, that's true. Yeah, and 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 I'm, I'm just saying, like, uh, abortion was an issue since the Supreme Court decision uh, made their ruling. It remains so even after Lindsey Graham's stunt. It made no, at least on the, at the state level, it made no real difference what the federal side was going to do.
1: Yeah, perhaps the, my reason for my sort of vague, little, and ultimately harmless conspiracy theory about Lindsey Graham doing this as a as as something for Republicans to hopefully shrug at is largely because I can't think of any other good reason yeah. for it to have happened. <laughs> like there's there is no political outcome where this helps Republicans beyond giving people the permission structure to be like, oh I guess the Republicans aren't going to do anything about abortion anyway and like they can say that all they want they can say we want to leave it up to the states but the only way for them to really prove it is for one of their big wigs to try to forward an abortion ban right. and then for them all to poo-poo it right. and that's what happened i don't know if that was the plan i mean, I, mean but I think they took advantage of that
3: in some ways that's more plausible or anything is more plausible than uh, a senator not even like running it by his colleagues like hey i'm coming up with this thing it'd be nice if i from the jump had ten senators behind me or
1: whatever. Right. I don't buy for a second that Mitch McConnell was, oh, it's the first I'm hearing of that. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Didn't see the tweet. Uh, Who knows? Anyway, we've had the abortion discussion many times. We don't have to rehash that further.
2: Adnan Syed's out of jail now.
1: from
3: the serial podcast.
2: From the podcast.
1: The prosecution in that case, I don't know if anybody... Presumably, people still remember that case. It was uh, tw- the 2014 inaugural season of the Serial Had it been podcast, eight which years? arguably what's that?
3: It's been eight years since that first season of the Serial.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow. It
3: was what? when we moved here, which makes
1: it which makes it five years since we invented podcasting, and then NPR caught up <laughs> and created the wildly popular Serial in 2014. That's that's Sarah Koenig took our whole idea and made a mint on it, the bitch. Anyway, uh Adnan, I remember your take on adnan is that you think he did it but the prosecution was bogus and therefore he should be retried in one way or another do i have that right is that what you thought about I that whole thing?
3: i will defer to you because my memory isn't that good i mean it's been eight years but like uh yeah i always thought like he was at the very least uh, somehow involved because like there was a few things i remember listening to the episodes i was like how would that be plausible for him to be totally innocent of anything? Like he must somebody in the family, somebody from the mosque, somebody.
2: His buddy Jay. It was his buddy Jay.
3: Right. Or yeah, Jay.
1: But he it better not be. It better not be his gay black friend who did it. That would that would not fit in with the current narrative. Oh, it's gay, gay no black people
3: can't murder bomb. They can.
1: Anyway, I don't know whether or not he did it. I was certainly convinced by the podcast that he got a raw deal on the entire prosecution, certainly, and they they used some very bogus cell phone tower records that oh, that's convinced right. a <laughs> bunch of idiots on the jury that he like it couldn't have been anyone else because the cell phone records. Like, no, I don't think that was good science.
3: Maybe that was another Law and Order casualty. You know, people watched it. They did no, some sort it's of just
2: calculation. That we didn't know how cell phones worked right then. So when they were like, this is how it works. Right. Right. And also we we location like, services oh, okay. wasn't
1: that good back then either. Yeah. Like, right? It's much better now. It's just but...
2: like in the vicinity of a tower. Like, right. okay, that could be <laughs> lots anyway, of Anyway, apparently
1: after many, many years of the prosecution in that county insisting that they got it right and they didn't do anything wrong and were not going to back off this in any way, apparently they have admitted that there were Brady violations in the case and that further investigations i 'm not sure by whom I assume it must be by the prosecutor's office yeah, i don 't think says, that they 're relying on anybody else, but uh, investigations have given them reason to believe that at least two other people are reasonable suspects in the case, and so there will he he will be out as of this evening, he was out of jail already, and they will decide whether or not to try him again moving forward
3: so as it stands on a technicality he's there, he 's out they have made no Statement about his actual innocence. He just said,
1: no. "Well, the this, judge vacated the convictions." So yeah, I mean, but because these... Was,
3: these are big oversights or mistakes that they've made, right? Uh, to withhold was it? Was there not a withholding of information? Wasn't yes. that one of the reasons? So we
2: are not yet declaring Adnan Syed as innocent, but we are declaring that in the interest of fairness and justice, he's entitled to a new trial. By said the way, the it, state's it, attorney, it, Marilyn Mosby.
3: Okay. In most developed countries, what's the going rate for this kind of charge? I mean, it's been 22 years.
2: Yeah. Was he going to be jail forever?
3: I know, but like, you know, they say life and you're out in 20 or whatever. Like, was this like life, life, like until he's like dead, dead? Was that, because usually when they say life, they're like 25. And then like on.
2: He had served 23 years of a life sentence.
3: Right.
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't think that he was getting out on good behavior anytime soon. I think it was a life sentence. Like, so it was going to be I mean, oh, he literally... he received a life
2: it, sentence plus 30 years. Wow. Life plus
1: 30. That's tough. Look at that. I'm sure that... Uh, actually, I saw a tweet that there will be a brand new episode of Serial in your podcast feeds it's tomorrow. fucking better oh. be. Uh, and that Sarah Koenig was at the courtroom today. So Kane presumably, it. we will get an update on that. They probably could wait that like a week, not,
3: right? Let the story, like... Get some air? Because what if something new comes out no, on
1: Wednesday? Sarah's going to then... come out and spike this the fucking is football. The whole thing. She's going to spike the football and she's not even going to give us any credit whatsoever for inventing <laughs> the entire form. <laughs> All right. Back to uh, Republicans being awful. Ron DeSantis is flying migrants from Texas, uh, I believe, with a Which... layover in Florida.
3: Yeah, because it would have to be that, right? Because. He's the Florida governor, not the Texas governor.
1: Yeah, but these were Texas. Some of them came. I mean, they didn't come across the border into Florida. Right, these there's were, no border with Mexico in Florida, right? Right.
2: No, but there's an ocean. You can like no, but Caribbean.
1: that's not where these people yeah. came from. These were a bunch of Venezuelans. They didn't go to Cuba first,
2: Gonzalez.
1: Right, they're not Cubans. Yeah, <laughs> mostly it's Venezuelans. They came mostly from Texas, I believe. Maybe they shoved a couple of other of them onto the uh, plane after they stopped over in Florida. But the point is, is that they picked them up in Texas, did a layover in Florida, and then on to Martha's Vineyard for a lovely Cape Cod-style New England late summer vacation. This is a follow-up to what Governor Abbott of Texas had started doing a couple months ago when he was bussing migrants to various parts of i think california and illinois
3: and dc didn't he also do to...
1: yes and also dc where they uh, dropped migrants off outside of the vice president's residency there the naval observatory house or whatever she has there it's not like they were actually knocking on her private I residence i don't understand or
2: anything like that. this prank at all
1: yeah so that's what it is it's clearly a troll by and this is DeSantis's flying of them up to Martha's Vineyard was very clearly inspired by a bit from Tucker Carlson over the summer when he suggested that red state governors or or mayors do precisely this. And he chose Martha's Vineyard as his perfect destination for it.
4: Has got to be Martha's Vineyard. It's a natural. Joe Biden took 70% of the vote on that small Massachusetts island. Over the past four years, according to FEC data, 92% of all donations from its biggest town, Eggertown, Massachusetts, went to the Democratic Party. So you probably imagine Eggertown is pretty diverse. I mean, the Obamas live on the island, right? No. In fact, we checked at last count, Eggertown is 95.7% white. What century is this? As of 2019, only 3% of all people, all residents in Eggertown were born outside of this country. So do the math, that's 17 people total. That's effectively zero diversity, which means zero strength. They are begging for more diversity. Why not send migrants there? In huge numbers. Let's start with 300,000 and move up from there. As the island gets stronger,
1: more. All right, so that's Tucker uh, in July, I think, talking about what Republican governors should do with migrants who come to their state illegally, suggesting that they deliver them to Martha's Vineyard, and that so that's your twenty twenty four GOP expected nominee for president, uh, giving advice to my expected GOP nominee. <laughs> <Yes>.
3: uh, <laughs> that's correct, and you see how he is listening to my guy. My guy is a lot. Smarter than your guy, even though your guy's yeah
1: kind a lot of... smarter <laughs> obviously uh, what 's going I still on
2: don 't understand the prank yeah so what 's going on here
1: it is a it is a troll and it is that 's all it is but what what is actually happening here
3: so the, these uh stunts are there just to create a spectacle right a political spectacle you 'll have all the right of center media outlets playing it up. It seems like the underlying point is that you 're only supporting these policies because they don 't impact you right isn 't that the the thrust of like Look how non-diverse these places are. And uh, so they're just saying things. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we help people? Meanwhile, they're not not—they're not having to live by the consequence of those policies, right? So the th- thinking from the Tucker Carlson's of the world is let's make this problem, our problem in Texas and other locations, their problem and see how they react. Now, the only way that this stunt works is if the people are like – Oh fuck that. Not like this. Like, if if the people are like get these disgusting
1: brown people out of our town, right? Right. And if instead the reaction is entirely humane on the part of the people there in Martha's Vineyard, and they just you know, they do what they can to help them and get them beds and then get them sent off to places that are actually equipped for this because there's not the infrastructure there on Martha's Vineyard to do it, then the the whole point is lost. But it it of course isn't because the Media will cover this in terms of the outrage that it creates, no matter what the reaction on the ground in Martha's Vineyard actually is. So the point becomes about the outrage in the media and not about the way that these people were treated once they arrived. There are large border cities that are relatively equipped, but obviously are not equipped for the flood of migrants. It is worth pointing out. There's going to be two million people arrested coming across the southern border this year.
3: Is that already the case? You know, when the numbers come out, are they? Is that a projection, or that's the number? Because I saw a headline saying that at
1: like one point eight five or something, and as the month ends, they're going to get up to two million. I think okay. is, the, is the number. But yeah, I think uh, what's his name Pesca pointed this out on the gist last week, and he said it succinctly and clearly. And it's uh, he puts words to something that has been in my head for years about this. Which is the Republicans are talking this way because the Democrats have no interest in talking about this at all, right? right right if your reaction to the immigration debate quote unquote such as it is, is anytime somebody brings up immigration and you're a Democrat and you and and you say that 's just Republicans being racist. Then, this is the sort of thing that we're going to get. We're going to get awful people doing awful things to fellow human beings because the state of the discourse is non existent. And so, like uh, naughty children, the Republicans are going to act out in antisocial ways. And that's all that's going on here. And it, it's. Worth acknowledging that that is sort of what the Democratic response has been since the Trumpening began, which is that anytime anybody says anything about immigration, legal, illegal, otherwise, the reaction from prominent Democrats is, you're just being racist.
3: Right, right. I think uh, generally that's true. Like I, I do notice uh, reflexively sometimes people will point to racism just by bringing up the topic. However, in the defense of the people who are uh, making these claims, there have been proposals for at least two in the last 15 years of some sort of immigration reform, I think, during the Bush years and during the Obama years. And there were uh, bipartisan support, you know, enough to push it through. There was was an agreement in place, and then the outside agitators agitated by talking about – people coming in uh, and causing all kind of, you know, havoc and blah, 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 blah. Like things that are, you know, some people would argue is bordering on racist, right? To get the people upset, right? So
1: to Yeah, de- I'm not denying that like Laura Ingram and Donald Trump have been awful about this in many ways. Right. But it is also the case that there have been no actual – Laws passed. There has been no meaningful immigration reform. Not since. for a
3: lack of tra- tra- uh, trying. Because the thing is, it's like it seems to be. All of them have at least, like I said, the two that I recall, uh, they had pathways to citizenship, right? Like they were like, you do this, you ten years, you pay a fine. You know, there was some combination of things that you had to clear hurdles, you had to clear before you became a citizen, and all of that is always like no, uh, and right, so well, like. I-
1: Right. And two things are undisputably true, which is that if it is impossible for them to come here legally, which the legal immigration system, it is functionally impossible right now for them to come here legally, then they will come here illegally. That's just the case. And further, there's a piece from the Cato Institute today that I read points out that there are 10.2 million unfilled jobs in this country right now. There is no Biden policy a border policy or immigration policy or otherwise that could act as a greater magnet than the unfilled 10 million jobs that are currently available in this country, right? It doesn't like. And, That's and, what I'm
2: saying. It's labor. I don't understand the problem.
1: Right. But there needs to be a, a function in, within the system to allow for that mass number of people to come and for them not to be doing it under the table, which is what's happening now. To the tune of two million people a year, which is – it's not an – it it has to be stated that it's not acceptable largely because of the hardship that is endured by the two million people who make the trek uh, across fucking rivers and and at, at the whims of drug dealers and cartels and coyotes at the southern border. It's not safe for them either, right? And yeah, they do it because they're escaping unacceptable living conditions in their home country, most of them, right? Right. Uh, But there needs to be a legal mechanism in place for dealing with it. And as long as there's not, as long as the adults in the room won't even gesture in the direction of solving the problem and instead just yell about racism, you're going to get assholes like Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis pulling shit like this.
3: Right, but I assume even if they weren't charging people with the, or they weren't calling people racist uh this it, this, de- this deal would still be dead like you would have one half of congress in support of it and the other half being against it right i mean if you had a combination like you say you know like a, a work visa some sort of infrastructure to capture that where people come in and out uh pathways to citizenship for the younger people you know like just a mix of things and then beef up border for everybody else i don't know like some something where everyone gets a little bit of a thing the environment right now is not uh conducive to that right so basically the problem,
1: the problem is that the solution is largely something along the lines of relatively open borders and that people can come and go as they please as as the market essentially sees fit and that's just, it's just a complete non starter. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, just
3: the words that you said, I mean, that's not politically, uh, palatable. Just a open border. I mean, they're, they're not going to hear anything else, or oh, relatively, or something approaching. I'll just hear "open border." Oh, bomb! is for
1: open border. So, but what is the right? But and I know. But what is the difference between that and what we have now, which which is only harmful to actual human beings? And I don't, I don't know what the difference is beyond like a, a gesture about like being tough about things and like sniffing meaningfully into a microphone, like Mike, Mike Pompeo or something and talking about beefing up border security. Like it's just utterly meaningless in the face of reality, which is that millions upon millions of people come into this country because they want a better life. And that's not going to stop anytime soon. I do have a incredibly visceral negative reaction to what DeSantis is doing largely because I start thinking about it in terms of some fucking DeSantis lackey went up to actual human beings, yeah right I, yeah, like like approached people who left unimaginably awful circumstances in their own lives to make this terrible trip and to end up in a country where they don't speak the language and don't have any meaningful like the best case scenario is that there's no social support because like people will just leave them alone and they can live under the radar right like that's that's what they're hoping for right is that? and then maybe 10 20 years in the future their descendants will become citizens of this country possibly right so you're you're walking up to an actual human being and telling a ridiculous lie
2: i heard they made fake pamphlets
1: yeah and 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 just walking right up to a fellow human being and lying to their face about how, if you get on this plane, we'll take you to Massachusetts where there's uh, social services support and jobs and you'll get a green card or whatever the fuck bullshit lies that they told them about what was going to happen to them at the end of the journey. And, like, some person fucking did that, right? Like, It's one thing to abstract it, and it's just a bunch of fucking tweets, and the Republicans can uh, dunk on the sorry libs about dumping a bunch of smelly brown people in their fancy rich people hideaway on Martha's Vineyard but it's something else entirely when you think about like the actual human being talking to another actual human being and just 100% instrumentalizing that person. Robbing them entirely of any sense of human dignity and turning them into a weapon to be used against your political enemies is there's like not a word for it besides disgusting. So it's just just what it is. I
3: I, I do wonder if they're even considering that aspect of it or if they're just fixated on like owning the whatever and just, I don't know. No, they're not
2: people to them.
3: Right. Because if they took one second, just one beat, like the the cruelty of it will become very clear, right? So you must be deliberately avoiding that aspect of it and just focusing just it's on just the political not side. To them. Right? It's just like,
1: yeah, it's just whatever. Just
2: like the slaves weren't people to the owners of the slaves. Yeah. They and weren't people.
1: I'll put a link to, there's this substack called Popular Information, read, run by someone called Judd Legum. I assume that's his real name, but he's got. This pamphlet that apparently was given out, and it just has like Massachusetts welcomes you signage on it and a bunch of nonsense about uh, support, social services support and job placement and job training and getting kids in school and assistance applying for social security cards and other benefits, uh, none of which is obviously the case. Uh, But yeah, again, as you pointed out, the, the stunt is theoretically contingent upon the liberals' freaking out about this. Uh the problem is that even no matter how humanely these people are treated upon landing there all that Fox News or DeSantis or anybody else has to do is point at the furor created in the media right. in the 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 blazing headlines on CNN and MSNBC and all of the other usual places and they've created they've created the conditions of the, of the thing that they claimed was going to happen. Right. Right. They're getting exactly what they asked for.
3: Right. But again, that, that is another, like in order for all of that to be true, you must just totally disregard the humanity part of it. Like, Look at these people. They're so upset. Why are they all
1: right. ups- Ignoring
3: yeah,
2: ignoring all the that. good. They do that all the time, right?
1: Ignoring the good actions of the people right. on whom you dumped these people. But
3: right? also, th- th- they're I, I, you know, in your presentation, it sounds like they're you know, the media would be uh, responding to this, and they're like, look at them. The liberal media is reacting harshly to this, as if it's not like a cruel thing to do. It's like there is also that aspect, but they're just l- looking at it from the.
1: It's entirely divorced from that, right? Right. Like none of none of the uh, we are the victims of the media complex is is rooted in reality. There's a seed of it somewhere, but that seed has blossomed into this entire victimhood identity.
3: Right.
1: It is awful, and it is it is awful in a Trumpy sort of way. And you know, I don't think it's disqualifying for DeSantis uh, in terms of getting his Republican nomination. In fact, it's probably.
2: If we learned anything the from Donald Trump, it's that like the worse you are, the more you're liked.
1: Yeah, yeah there's a that's
3: an audience for this sort of stuff.
1: Sure, and and again, we start seeing that that old Adam Serwer piece passed around about the the cruelty is the point, which is such a facile thing. That, like, I I now reject it out of hand. Like, I I can't engage with it anymore because I don't actually believe that the cruelty is the point for the overwhelming majority of people doing this. This is not about doing actual harm to actual human beings. This is about people who feel themselves victimized and are lashing out because of it. The cruelty is not is not the point in that fundamental way. The, the the underlying cruelty is a cruelty that these people believe have been inflicted upon them. They're wrong about that, right? But I don't think they're actually getting off on hurting other people. They believe no, they are the ones being harmed. No, they don't think harmed.
2: they're hurting people. Right.
3: Also, I mean, it's a big enough group to where you can't say it's one thing, but at least one of the things has to be the cruelty being the point. Basically, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an insignificant or not insignificant number of people who are like, fuck them. They chose to come here. So any sort of thing that – you know, any tough treatment that we give them or we separate their kids, them's the breaks. You came to us. You chose us. I
1: I understand that as a way of rationalizing the behavior, and I think that there's some truth to it, sure. But to say that this is all about cruelty completely misses what I watched this weekend, which was Trump giving a speech in front of a – arena full of people where the the weird swelling music starts and he goes into his there's an eight minute segment from this thing and i'll put a link in the show notes i'm not going to play any, any of it so now
2: what i woke up to on sunday morning was bob <laughs> listening to donald trump talk the way he talks
1: yeah it's he, he just he, he when he thinks he's being because he's a terrible public speaker like uh, underrated one of the most hilarious things about Donald Trump is what an awful speech giver he is when he's trying to like be serious. And so there's this eight minute segment at his rally and it's like, it's full of like some of the creepiest imagery and shit that you can imagine because the entire crowd starts doing this thing where they, they hold up one finger and they're almost doing like the worshipful praise hand thing where they like, they hold the hand up and they sway back and forth like they're under his sway in an almost sort of religious fervor kind of way. And all he's doing is he's giving a litany, an eight minute long list of all of the things that are awful about this country, the the ways that we've been reduced in the last three years. And in the previous generation before that, we had this great moment from 2016 to 2020 when everything was, uh, was milk and honey. But other than that, it's been awful and it, it's super fucking weird because the music does this big swelling. One of those thing. things,
2: by the way, was how many people have died of COVID.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he's, and and the whole crowd gets their hand up like they're in some sort of just, like he's completely leaning in to the cultier aspects oh, yeah. of his presentation. And it's super fucking weird. Like he's reposting a bunch of shit from the from from Q people, like just explicit Q messaging now. It's not going to be good if he decides he wants to be president again. Anyway, uh, what else can we talk about here?
2: Movies, TV, Uh, Make
1: sure that you go check out the thing in the show notes from the Cato Institute, which is the point that I made about the the 10 million jobs being the main driver of immigration here. Because I think that's basically correct. There's
3: also the dire conditions from which they're fleeing.
1: Sure, but if there weren't ten million open jobs here, like it, the, it explains the bulk of the rise in illegal immigration, if not the entire thing. Let's talk about this piece in the Atlantic today, which made the rounds on Twitter, largely to be pointed at and the laughed at. The one I at. sent
2: you about redshirting boys. No. Nope. No one decided to engage with me on that.
1: I'm sure I was busy with something else. Nope. Headline: Separating sports by sex doesn't make sense. Though school sports are typically sex segregated, a new generation of kids isn't content to compete within traditional structures. It's a piece by Maggie Mertens. came out September seventeenth, twenty twenty two. She gives a couple of anecdotes about uh, girls who wanted uh, one girl who wanted to play football and one boy who wanted to play field hockey. And they were denied by local school districts based on some very silly uh, rules put in place about who can play what sports. And, and she's completely within her rights to point out some of the more silly bureaucratic processes that block children from playing with other children at the uh, even, even post-pubescent. But, but just, uh, just in like rec sports, you know, shouldn't be a big deal. Where she loses me and where she loses most people is uh, when she starts quoting from various sociologists uh, who say things like, quote, part of the reason why we have this belief that boys are inherently stronger than girls, and even the fact that we believe that gender is a binary, is because of sport itself, not the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) So when I say things on this show in the past, like... These people believe that biology is downstream from culture and you say, "Oh, don't be ridiculous. No one actually believes that." And then this person goes so far as to say not just that biology is downstream from culture, but that within the culture, biology is downstream from team sports. And that's like explicitly what that person just said. I mean, that it
2: was the cave people back in the day. They started playing football. That's when misogyny started.
1: <laughs> uh, what the fuck are these people think? I, I uh,
3: to me, it's, it's such a stupid thing to say. Like that, there was there some cleaning up later on in the article, or is that they, they maintain this position throughout? Or
1: just, no, this is the position. The position is that we do not need to separate athletes by sex, and that doing so only reinforces this binary that doesn't actually exist.
3: And this is at all levels up through high school, when they're kids, when they're in high school, like they're seniors in wrestling, for instance, like or they're just team well, wrestling. Sport?
2: You could do just by weight.
1: They you did, can, it and it didn't work that, too well. Yeah, you can you can do it however you want to do it, but. The result is going to be that boys, boys, will, will, win boys will win everything. It's just the way that it is. The article concludes with the following. A different youth sports world is possible. Musto, who's that sociologist that I was quoting earlier, has observed a swim team in California, for instance, whose athletes are separated by ability rather than sex. It has changed how the kids view one another. It wasn't a big deal if they had to share lanes with one another or why they were where they were competing against one another during practice, gender wasn't the primary thing that was shaping the perceptions of who was a good athlete or not, she said. But as long as laws and general practice of youth sports remain rooted in the idea that one sex is inherently inferior, young athletes will continue to learn and internalize that harmful lesson. I wonder what would happen if we desegregated the sports by gender and just had the boys winning something like 90 to 95% of all competitions, how people would feel about the inferiority of one gender in relation to another. Because when I'm watching high school girls compete in track, as I often do, as a not-at-all-creepy guy who goes down to the local high school track meet...
2: He does. It's very weird.
1: ...and and just watches young children uh, competing... I don't get a weird misogynistic tickle when I watch the girls do their running around the track, but it would be way more obvious to me if they were all on the field at the same time and the boys were running laps around them. Then boys were better at this, right? Right?
3: I, 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 I mean, again, I, 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 I'm just baffled at this person making this point because there have been, I mean, there are just so many examples of how wrong that position is, but. Are they not even factoring that in maybe they are like an abstract like liberal th- oh, wouldn't it be nice if this were true instead of like looking at real life and see it's not practical and also maybe the inferior superior framing isn't the most helpful I mean it's different, you know, like I mean men are stronger, so you're trying we're to control more
2: flexible f-
3: yeah you're yeah there are yeah, no one i mean the inferior superior just is different right and and so. You can't.
2: Stronger
3: you, you, vaginas. You you you, you want to control for external things that are outside your control, right? And so, in wrestling, they do it by weight. They say ten pounds can even be too much of a factor, and so we'll cut it at that or, or wherever the the weight classes are. Uh, and so, in this one, they're like, I, "Hey,
1: but if you're a you're a boy who weighs 180 pounds against a girl who weighs 180 pounds." And you've, you're fifteen, and you've gone through puberty. You are a different 180 pounds right. than the girl is, even if, like, and as as was proven with like the Soviet juicing programs right. in the 1970s and 80s. Right, it's not like the juiced up Russians and and Soviet block players were out racing the men at the Olympics. No, right. they were still below the the heights achieved by the men. Right, and, and, and- that's with. The added benefit of performance-enhancing drugs,
3: right? And 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 again, like these weight classes are designed to control for for weight within the same sex, right? So they're saying all the all other things being equal, ten pounds is still too much. So we need to get rid of that, even and and so we can kind of determine your your skill set and your whatever your training. We're trying to figure out who's the best wrestler, controlling for weight. So if you if you're that specific about just weight. You think that sex is something you can just dismiss, like as insignificant, just because you want to, and that's the only motivation. From what I gather, there's no other reason. You just want it. Like, why? Like, why can't it just be two different things? Because you think one is
1: inferior. Right. There, are, there are people who will make the argument that boys are only stronger because of millennia of the patriarchy right that boys would not be six inches taller or four or five inches taller on average and have uh double the muscle mass or whatever the number is uh (laughs) but for the fact that for generation after generation the boy got the bigger portion at the dinner table or whatever right people literally this is what people think is 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 reality that all of biology is downstream from the white supremacy or from the patriarchy one way or another.
3: Right. This, by the way, has all the hallmarks of uh, religious dogma, like very ridiculous things that there's no other way that you would say that unless it fit into some larger thing that you have to also believe, right? So like, oh, I believe in the Jesus, let's say. And then, oh, what about the, the Holy Ghost and the Son and the, the weird three thing? Well, now that's a package deal. I got to believe that too, right? And so, like, you eventually end in a position that's hard to defend on its own. And so I don't know where they started, but this must have been a package deal. It's like, well, if you believe this is true somewhere else, maybe, like, all women are women or whatever, trans women are women. So, like, if you start there, then if you believe that, then you must then believe that this sex segregation in competitive sports is ridiculous, and they're like, well, I guess I do. Like, that's the only end I can think of where, like, you're trying to defend some larger principle you believe in, which, again, only happens with religion. I don't know if this is becoming, a, like, a secular religion, but, like, that's right. the only time when people start making ridiculous points where, like, I'm not even going to waste the energy to trying to make a counter argument. You don't believe that. You're saying you believe that, but you don't believe that. Come on. Come off it. There's well, no way you I would, would believe The
2: Boston that. Marathon or New York Marathon and London, a couple marathons this year are – introducing a non-binary category
1: yeah and so we'll
2: see how that goes yeah. yeah i
1: wonder who's going to dominate those <laughs>
2: we'll see how it goes
1: <laughs> there's a great twitter thread that i'll link to if i can find it again this guy he's some he's somewhere in like the world of runners and pays a great deal of attention to this sort of thing and he charts out using all of the available data the effective difference between men and women in terms of the ability to run fast at all of the different lengths where we compete in this. And from 100 meters all the way up to ultra marathoners, there's this incredible consistency of like eight to 12 or so percent, right in the 10% range where men just always outperform women. And you can look, you can look back because we have all of the Olympic times for many, many years. So you can look at you can even look at like the American Times like post title 9 and what happened was they closed some of the gap in this country just by a, like bringing women, so the culture did. It had a measurable impact on on not getting enough girls competing in sports, so that the best would actually rise to the top. Right, because if you have a relatively small sample size, right. you're necessarily not going to get the absolute peak performance of any given group. But if you expand the sample size a great deal, you will then have achieved a sample size that is big enough to get you peak performers. And what they found is that women caught up. And it leveled off entirely at about that 10% difference, okay. that men are just going to be 10% faster than women on the track or in ultra marathoning or whatever, for whatever reason. And, and the reason is biology.
2: The, I have a client who I haven't spoken to for a little while, but he is in college, and he said that on the fencing team, it's co-ed. So there are going to be some – and the girls are, like, consistently as good or better than the boys at fencing.
3: Right. So that's – So that's, there's
2: going to be some where it matters less than others. Right.
3: So Yeah, if, sure. But In running some things.
2: And, and arm wrestling isn't one of them. Jar it, it, opening.
3: If I were uh, giving advice to this uh, person to, like, uh, how to attack this ridiculous thing, would be – the conspiracy isn't – it's just in your head, man, like generations and generations of people saying men are better at sports. They should say men are just making popular the sports that they're good at. Like, they're, they're, like if yep, you did like a full too. accounting of different sports, you could find like 10 sports that, you know, there not like super ultra marathon, like long distance stuff women seem to kind of do better at when it's like run for like a million miles. Women seem to slightly do better at that, but nope, they make a sport out of that, right? Uh, so maybe that's the scheme, but don't say
1: it doesn't no, matter. Even in, even in marathoning. The- yes,
2: but Abe's point is that there are going to be things we are better at, we being women. And we those things are not popular, right. make that and in conspiracy. that way, yeah. that is a structural thing. Yes.
1: This is also from the same piece in The Atlantic, researchers have noted for years that they – there may even be more diversity in athletic performance within a sex than between the sexes.
2: Okay. This
1: is, this is something that shows up in almost any conversation about group difference, and I don't know why it is allowed to get through the editorial process ever. So it happens, if you're talking about—if you're, for some reason, having a discussion about, like, group IQ— uh, between races or genders or whatever, this is the sort of statement that gets made, and it is an entirely meaningless statement, right? Because of course like, there's going okay. to be more diversity <laughs> in athletic performance. Like the way that bell curves work, <laughs> is that you when you line them up, there will be more diversity within. The one group that you've chosen relatively arbitrarily to single out than there is between the two groups. That's just how statistics work. You're not actually saying anything about the world when you say that there's more difference – there's more variation between the best tennis player in the world, who's a girl, and right. the worst tennis player in the world, who's a girl. Like, of course, yeah. like you're you're saying something completely inconsequential that doesn't have any impact on the reality of the world around you, but it sounds good. And it tennis obtains. Tennis would be an
2: interesting one to try with. I know they've done that. What is tennis?
1: Oh, tennis is not that interesting. Serena Williams said on the David Letterman program in, like, 2013 that Andy Murray would beat her uh, six love, six love, and the match would be over in five minutes, maybe ten minutes if she was having a particularly good day and he was off that day, but that he would mop the floor with her.
4: Actually, it's funny because Andy Murray, he he was been joking about um, myself and him playing a match, and I'm like, Andy, seriously, like, are you kidding me? Because for me, tennis in men's tennis and women's tennis, are completely almost two separate sports. So, I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose 6-0, 6-0 in five to six minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Because it's <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, true. Are, it's honestly, true. It's a completely, really? it's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster, and me and um, they. They get, they serve harder, they hit harder. It's just a different game. Mm-hmm. And I love to play women's tennis. And I, I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed. I would not do the tour. I wouldn't do Billie Jean any justice. So, Andy, stop it. Yeah. we're not gonna, I'm not going to
0: let you kill me. I'm, I'm with you. When it comes to tennis, I only want to play girls. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if Serena can admit that, why can none of Serena's interlocutors in the media I don't know. admit also, that? Also,
2: recently I saw some British runner woman runner, had like a bad run. I don't know. It was one of those shorter races. And the reporter was like, you know, sort of what happened. And she basically was like, yeah, I'm on my period. And that (laughs) they should probably study. Like, she was in a good mood. but She was like, that's... It's interesting because we've noticed that we don't do as well when we're having our periods. And... That would be cool if they would look into that, but yeah. they won't. So
1: We don't have to talk about it. Uh, there's a podcast that I want to recommend. The is latest an
2: official segment on this show?
1: We're not going to talk about it. I, I didn't tell Abe to listen to it ahead of time. We're not
2: going to talk about it. Sounds. I'm say just, it every day. I, this is
1: my fucking platform, and I'm going to point people at things that I found interesting.
2: I'm just saying, it seems like, with its Yes, consistency... it is a bit
1: that I do. It is, okay. a, it is a thing that I do. Yes. <laughs> There's a podcast. It is called The Fifth Column Podcast. It is run by uh, three journalists. They do a good job, generally speaking. Not family-friendly most of the time. Uh, But it's basically uh, a media criticism podcast. The latest episode is one that is not hyper-focused on media criticism. It is just a conversation between Camille Foster, who is one of the three hosts of The Fifth Column Podcast with two other dudes who are not usually on the show. Adam Davidson, who is the podcast-famous inventor of the Planet Money series from NPR, which you're probably familiar with if you listen to much public radio or podcasts in the last 15 years. He's also done work with This American Life and The New Yorker and a number of other outlets. So he's in good standing with the with the liberals and, in fact, like a prime exemplar of sort of modern liberal thought on identity nonsense. It's Adam Davidson. The other guy was Thomas Jonathan Williams, who lives in Paris. He wrote a couple of memoirs about his experiences, like being a black guy, going to fancy colleges in the United States. Uh, he's, a, he's a good writer. He's also the guy who got the Harper's letter off the ground a couple of years ago. The Harper's letter being... Uh, this open letter published in Harper's Magazine and signed by everybody from Noam Chomsky and that sort of leftist to a whole bunch of people on the right who are concerned about free speech and cancel culture. It was basically a, a warning shot about the the culture that we currently live in and the and the way that public opprobrium online, and if you want to call it getting canceled, you can. You might just call it uh, what, what John Ronson did, which is like this this culture of of shaming people in public and and how that 's not good, right That was sort of the point of the harper 's letter anyway, Camille Foster and Thomas Chatterton Williams are a couple of black guys who frequently butt up against well intentioned white liberals talking about whiteness and white privilege and white supremacy and that sort of thing, and I really encourage everyone. Two, if you have a couple of hours this week to go listen to the latest episode of the fifth column podcast, because it's just like 90 minutes of a conversation between those three dudes talking about a tweet that Davidson wrote about how he was just standing around in his kids basketball game. And he said something like, I just can't believe that there are actual white people in the world who don't appreciate how much privilege we have. And this got under the skin of Camille, who (laughs) responded on Twitter, and they had like a sort of semi-nasty back and forth, the way that things on Twitter always become nasty, because you're largely talking to your own audience, and the other guy is talking to his audience, and it's just a stupid, I mean, dick-measuring contest, I guess, is one way of putting it. Uh, But they had what they believed to have been a very productive hour-and-a-half-long conversation about this topic, about the what white privilege is, what it means to Adam Davidson, and why Camille and Thomas react so negatively when they hear white people talking about white privilege. And I will make sure that there's a link in the show notes. The only thing that I really want to say about it here, and again, Lori and Abe have not listened to this, so cannot speak to this at all, so that's not terribly fair. Oh, whatever. But... What I wanted to say about it is that they brush up against something on the race question that I've been saying for a very long time. And it's something that I say about a lot of things that I hear on the radio, on NPR, or read in the New York Times, which is... Most of the problem that we have when these two groups of people are talking to one another and inevitably talking past one another, especially in online discourse, is it's just a question of a a confusion of scale, right, where on the left we have the well-meaning white liberal Adam Davidson who's talking about giant systems of oppression – and not talking about any one individual whatsoever and then from the the so-called right we'll just just for ease of access of this conversation we'll say from the right we have somebody who is like looks around and is like who the fuck are you talking about cuz you're not talking about me and if you're not talking about me or literally anybody else that i know then i don't know what it is that you're talking about when you're talking about these giant systems of oppression or patriarchy or white supremacy right. or whatever whatever system it is that is the the subject of the conversation and they sort of they sort of brush up against that point in this conversation and i actually think that though all three of them were insisting that they had an incredibly productive conversation and and had gotten something to think about leaving the conversation, my feeling afterwards was I don't think that anything was accomplished <laughs> at all because I don't think that either one of these – any of these three people is going to walk away with any greater or or different understanding of the thing that they came to the table with because they they fundamentally don't understand that they're talking – And they will continue to see the world in terms of these giant systems and in terms of individuals. And they sort of did talk about it on the show, but I don't see how anything that was said on the show is actually going to affect their view of the world.
3: Was that uh, the, the intention or just to better understand the other person's view? And did they even accomplish any of that?
2: That is a good question. I
1: think that they did. I think that they did come to a greater understanding of where each of them was coming from. Okay. And I think it, it it might be useful in that sense. But again, it it that was me talking about it for 5 minutes or something like that. I do think it is worth listening to and I would encourage anybody out there to listen to it. There's a there's one incredibly useful metaphor that Davidson brings which is that he talks about he's because he's an economics guy he, he made his bones
2: more like black economics am I right
1: no he got famous by with with the planet money podcast which was his attempt to popularize uh, an understanding of economics in the way that it it secretly sort of runs everything in the world and what he said was that he he compares it to The federal funds rate, which is that every six weeks the Fed gets together and they decide whether or not they're going to change the interest rate on the money. And that has huge societal impacts. It's sort of the one thing that economists can point to in terms of a cause and effect reaction, right? Because they they raise the federal funds rate and all of a sudden fewer people are getting mortgages, fewer people are getting small business loans. It has an obvious impact on the economy at large. Even if you can't actually point to one individual who didn't get a home loan because they're like, ah, well, the federal funds rate went up, so I'm not going to get a mortgage this quarter, right? right. Like it's not a, a thing that individuals think about at that level, but there's no denying that there's this huge system in place that has these uh, system-wide effects that this one action can cause a system-wide impact, even if it's incredibly difficult to point to any individual uh, person who had actually impacted. Right. Anyway, worth checking out. And I don't know, maybe I got the—maybe maybe I'm taking too pessimistic of a read on the conversation, but I, I just have my doubts that anything was actually well, accomplished there. Well, no, then.
2: I think you just did the thing—like, did greater good happen? No, but if— the point of the conversation was for each of these two individuals to understand each other better Then, yeah. that can be good.
3: Also was one of the, I mean, I'll listen to the, uh, this episode, that episode, but like, was the thrust of the, uh, complaint, uh, from the black people side, like that it just, comes across as a performance like an empty gesture kind of thing or was it
1: they mostly stayed away from that even though there is an undercurrent of that that I mean, is is undeniable.
2: When I hear dudes act all pro choice, it's so much more annoying right. than when dudes act not that when they are just like anti abortion people. Yeah. Like on Meet the Press or whatever, some man was like oh, well, we're forgetting all the women that have complicated pregnancy. Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! We got this. Yeah. We don't need you. Shut up.
1: Right. <laughs> if there was one main underlying point, that the the thing that sets Camille and Thomas off about that sort of performance by a liberal white dude is the sort of obvious undercurrent of the racism of that, which is like, you are assuming everything about me based on my adherence to... A cultural class that I didn't choose that, it, that has nothing to do with my experience and you're telling me that you have more privilege in this world than I do? You don't know shit about me, <laughs> uh, white Jew in a basketball stadium yeah, in it's like northern New Jersey.
2: You don't – just shut up. Let us handle this. We're not stupid. Right. Shut right. up.
1: Right. Anyway, we uh, – last week I complained that Mark Strassman – was being silenced by CBS News somewhere, the higher-ups there. Had a, a, a hashtag-free Strassman campaign. <laughs> and I have I have some good news for you. Oh. Strassman has been loosed upon the American public. I have two clips this wow. week from okay. Mark Strassman. The, the first of which I wasn't sure whether or not we were going to get Strassman, the second of which, I'm going to read you the headline. Okay. I said, before I even clicked play on the little CBS News website player, which is a nightmare, you should not go there. You should instead listen to me playing this clip (laughs) because trying to navigate CBSNews.com is the worst. The headline, Queen Elizabeth II had an unlikely friendship with a California cowboy. Now, if that headline wasn't going to result in Mark Strassman at least attempting to get off a good one, then I was going to give up the segment forever. Because with that sort of a headline, how can Strassman not, unless there's been an evil dictate from above uh, trying to keep him quiet? Now, that is not the first one that I will play. I will play instead the following which is from earlier in the week, says California mudslides leave trail of devastation.
0: <laughs> CBS's Mark Strassman is on the scene. On a mountain road, you're watching disasters creep. Suddenly surge into a river of mud roughly 70 miles east of Los Quite Angeles. Quite
1: compelling video.
0: Right? Buried under tons of muck, homes, cars, everything. These are K-Rail. Susan Navakoski showed us the protective massive, concrete massive berm she built dirt. that saved her house. And it
4: looked like fast flowing lava and it literally filled up that entire ravine within three minutes.
0: That mudslide came after a weekend deluge, remnants of a tropical storm that for a time targeted communities in the San Bernardino Mountains. Nature's fury and nature's backlash. All made worse by the El Dorado wildfire in these same mountains two years ago this week. So all this mud and debris washed unimpeded down the mountain and slammed into the Oak Glen Steakhouse, where volunteers pitched in with an epic cleanup. Karen Pierce's the, family as you can owns feel, all it. all
2: of this mud came up over the wall and into the roof, into the building. And so we've lost no. the dining area, part of the kitchen. You know, everything is gone.
0: This is the back of the restaurant. That's nine feet of mud, in his mud right up to the roof line. What are the odds, right? Well, listen to this. The family bought this restaurant with their winnings from a $180 million million dollar mega millions jackpot 180 million dollars so in 2014 they won the lottery this time around nora their luck did not hold (laughs) wow what a story mark strassman thank
1: you you know i
3: was wondering where he was going with (laughs) that
1: did mark strassman CBS News' senior national news correspondent in Oak Glen, California. Get off a good one.
3: I did like that one. Strassman gets off a good one. Although it seemed uh, in in poor
1: taste. uh, It's like, oh. It
2: was a little. eh.
1: One of. There are, first of all, burying the lead, these people won 180 million goddamn dollars. And you're doing a sob story <laughs> about the restaurant that got white. Like, they didn't spend more than like a quarter million dollars getting that dump up and running. Oh, right. So right? who chooses
2: so, to live in California? Don't do that.
1: California's beautiful. I don't know uh, what you're talking about. Then anyway, there are mudslides. That's just, that's just episode one. We're, we're jamming two in here. Oh, Strasser's going to get another Make chance.
2: for lost time.
1: I don't care for that one, Strasser. I, I disagree. <laughs> that was not a good one at all. Uh,
2: Abe, Abe really liked it.
1: If you have 180 million dollars and your restaurant gets wiped out in a mudslide, you know what you do the next day? <laughs> you go fucking down the street and you start a new restaurant because you have 180 million well, off, goddamn dollars. All right, I bet they don't even pay their employees minimum wage. The
3: sons of bitches. <laughs> the
1: thing is, well, minimum
2: wage in California is pretty high.
3: Strassman's, this piece was already, like you said, like a very dramatic video, a lot of uh, back happening. You don't need to shoehorn some stupid thing about a lotto. Like, you don't That need
1: just t- makes me hate these people. <laughs> don't tell me that they have $200 million in the bank. That's not helping. <laughs> Number two here, Queen Elizabeth and the cowboy. That
0: passion led to an unlikely friendship with a California cowboy. Here's CBS's Mark Strassman.
1: Who else could be on this story this Strassman? this is the Queen's
0: Hallway. Improbably, indelibly, Monty Roberts became Queen Queen Elizabeth's horseman and more.
1: Mm.
0: Her Majesty has treated me as if I was uh, a younger brother. Roberts revolutionized horse training, taming horses using a silent language of kindness. In 1989, the Queen, with her lifelong love of horses, invited him to her stables at Windsor Castle. I thought she was a groom. I said, nice to meet you. And I stepped back and I went, Oh, my God. Oh, you're the queen. And she, Yes, last time I checked. Handwritten letters and annual Christmas greetings framed their three-decade relationship. Did you consider her a friend? I would call her Her Majesty, but the friendship was deep. Did you ever think to yourself, what am I doing hanging out with Her Majesty? Only two or three times a day. (laughs) And every night when I went to bed. On Monday, Monty Roberts will go to the funeral of a friend still in shock. I said, no. What? And I don't want to let her go. She's going to be with me every instant that I'm alive. A dark horse friendship, the California cowboy and the queen. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Solvang, California.
1: All right, A, a dark horse friendship. <laughs> did.
0: outrageous.
1: Mark Strassman, senior CBS News' <laughs> national correspondent. Get off a good one. No. Ooh, sorry, Mark. Try again next time. No, that's too one bad. One out of two in bad. However, I think we have to acknowledge, at least he's trying. It's been a while. By the way, that uh,
3: horse thing was uh, featured in The Crown on Netflix.
1: Something oh, about, yeah? yeah? Her love of horses? I think. I was, waiting,
2: people like horses. I was
1: waiting for that guy to be like, uh, and we didn't fuck. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I was, was wondering what uh, Strassman meant by and more. like, very, like
3: What? <laughs> right. What is that more?
1: Anyway. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Amy. You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com. And there you can get a show note And links to all of the nonsense we've been talking about tonight. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig, who I did not enlist. That's not
2: true, because this night, it was not him.
1: I dropped in some mariachi, but (laughs) rest assured, we actually opened with the Cast Iron Brains theme, as composed by Mark Gillig in 2009 and updated in 2020 you can find him and his band's music at tetramer music.com t-e-t-r-a-m-e-r music.com as i said i did not enlist him in mariachiing our theme song maybe he'll do that for us next year for hispanic heritage month it's a
2: month he could do it next week. yeah still
1: time it's true there is still time abe did you make it to the movies i did watch any interesting television this weekend
3: I uh, seem like I, I've set Thursday as my movie going day, uh, so that's why when I, just as an aside, when I came back home uh, and I turned the TV on what, trying to find the, the football game and it turns out it wasn't on regular TV, but uh, I went to go see The Woman King, which was a very, very entertaining movie. This is a movie where there was a lot of uh, historical inaccuracies and some people were trying to make some noise about it, but...
1: It's a movie we've Accurate actually talked braveheart about. is we, what Abe yeah, said. Yeah, we talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the, hist, the history guy who was complaining about uh, bogus histories being taught.
3: Right. But as a movie experience, it's great. I, I want to see it. And this was opening weekend. So it was packed. There were a handful of applause scenes like after something happened in the thing a burst of applause like oh what's this like it it, kind of reminded me of uh top gun 2 another movie that came out this year it's almost the same experience of just like a packed crowd and everybody's into it and the movie in the
1: in the advertising for this movie it highlights uh the based on true events thing is there a is there a based on real events like title card that pops up during the movie at
3: the top they kind of try to clean up some of the how accurate oh well they they point to certain things that they don't actually discuss in the movie like oh yeah there are these considerations and there's going to be like it's kind of a broad view of what's happening but the story is just about like like the Viola King character and the, the young woman that's in it uh, there's a connection between the two it's kind of like focused just on that and so like it's almost immaterial that it's loosely based on a historical event. I know that's the so draw. Does it
1: does it matter that a lot of the reviews of this talk about like they play up the based on true events thing without focusing on the the fact that the the thing that it's based on that's true is this subtler relational question rather than this like larger like what amounts to at least I haven't seen it yet. I've just seen the preview and a couple of clips and read a couple of reviews. But to me, from the outside, seems like a, a sort of cheap black exploitation thing that they're doing.
3: Right. <laughs> it's not exactly that, but basically, I mean, yeah, it's an uh, all woman kind of force in the before time, like eighteen hundred and something, uh, in West Africa. But once you like after a, couple, a few minutes of like, all right. This is the setting. You just kind of get engrossed in the actual story of what's going on and the conflict that comes right. up. It's
1: just—it's—it's it, it's just strange to me that it's become it inevitably, because of the way the movie is, it becomes a stupid front in the culture war, right. which. It doesn't like it doesn't need to. You don't need to frame this as being like the real Wakanda, right. or Whatever, in order for it to work, especially because like the slightest little bit of investigation into the actual facts of of what happened there proved that like these weren't purely good people on a on a mission from God or or humanity right. to uh, do good in the world.
3: Right. The, the what I don't know if this is how life was just in general back in the day, but it was, it was just very jarring that like you're in one group you know and they train you up and you go into battle and then let's say you lose that battle but you live through it and now you're downgraded all the way to slave. so basically it's like you're fighting just for your freedom if your team loses then the other group the other tribes will just enslave you and it's like right i'd rather just stab my way to death or to to winning but like that losing but still alive category sucks
1: for, I saw somewhere an op-ed today about like uh, we really got to do this three hundred shit again, like because somebody was was doing something about the the Spartans. Like the there's some weird right wingers who co-opt a lot of the, oh, yeah. the Spartan imagery and metaphor stuff. Oh, and they're
2: like, gay. Those are gay <laughs> ones.
1: Right, but but like so some of the far right weirdos have adopted like. Three hundred. Which, when I watched it, I thought it was fucking awesome, right? right? Because it's a super stylized, awesome. hyper violent, right? Just sort of. I mean, the word just badass. Like men's
2: bodies just all over the place. Yeah,
1: the word badass gets thrown around a bit, but like it was fucking badass, right. it, and I was the right age for it, and like I recognized that it was uh, largely a historical fiction, right? Right, like it it's it sort of informed by myth and and people's ideas about themselves but at no point did I treat it as history so at the same time that I'm reading on slate or whatever about like the harm done by something like the movie 300 in terms of uh giving sucker to white nationalists or whatever and then on the other hand everybody like this yeah. movie the woman king has got a 98% rating on rotten tomatoes and every single one of the reviews that uh, is enthralled by it talks about how historically accurate it is like come on (laughs) like get the fuck out of here where i'm reading on the one hand about 300 and the other hand about this movie and i think we we really we know what the difference is
3: Uh, i mean it's yeah I i guess people are just playing up whatever side that they're on the main thing is like i said as a movie it's it's like a like Braveheart kind of comes to mind, uh, like Gladiator in some ways. Uh, three Hundred is a little more glossy than what this is, but right. yeah, yeah. Three Hundred like is a t- comic book. You take a base, like some historical figure, and then you kind of make the rest of the stuff up. Like it's the Patriot. The pa- <laughs> by the way, the Patriot, and, and this is for all the people. Uh, I don't know why I still remember this because I laughed for like three minutes the first time I watched a movie. Another way, it's great movie. I enjoy anything Mel. Most things Mel Gibson's in, uh, but there was a scene where like the obnoxious British guy uh, was trying to recruit some of the slaves of Mel Gibson's uh, property, and they're like, "Hey, we'll give you the freedom. I know we have a thing between me and the other guy, but you guys, we're cool with. Come along." And the the head of the black family that was enslaved by the Mel Gibson enslaved, right? No choice in the matter. Yeah. Enslaved. They're like, no, 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 man, we're we're good. They treat us very well, Uh,
1: and so we're gonna see this through. I'm we're gonna fight on. Gone this with side.
2: the Wind. It's, accurate. It's the
1: Patriot is one of my all time favorite bad movies it's so to put fucking on. Good. It is. You
2: know what? We didn't watch such this a weekend. Bad movie. The Patriot. Um, but we, we didn't watch any bad movies this weekend. It was a shit waste of a weekend.
1: <laughs> we watched some bad football on Saturday night. Without realizing that Netflix had acquired the rights to Moonfall, HBO. And, I thought. Well, somebody. Had oh it. my god! Have somebody s- had Moonfall this weekend, <laughs> <laughs> and What's we didn't find us? out until like one in the morning, and it was too late to bother. <laughs> that movie, <it's> total waste. <laughs> I saw the movie in the theater. It wasn't. We a We didn't watch house.
2: any God's Not Dead. We didn't watch oh. God's Not Dead One. We didn't watch no. God's Not Dead Two. We didn't watch God's Not Dead Three. We didn't watch God's <laughs> Not Dead Four or Five.
1: There are a lot of them. What did we watch?
2: Stupid dragons.
1: We watched dragons. Is that it? Um, and football. Did you guys we catch
2: football? We watched baseball.
3: I I, I watched the very first uh, of the Ken Burns, the U.S. and the Holocaust. I mean, it's a depressing. You know, didn't watch that. No,
2: we didn't watch that, thing,
1: no, didn't but, watch that either. Uh, it's
3: pretty well made.
1: We, no, watched, we watched
2: with the kids Coraline. That's
1: right. We watched Coraline with the kids. Good movie. So good. And then we watched House of the Dragon last night. Thoughts on episode four? So this this is four or five. I don't know. Okay. Thoughts on I I, th- I think yeah, this is sure.
3: the next jump is the new actors. Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. Done with this the has got to be the halfway yeah. point. So yeah, I, I, I thought it's fine. Basically, the last two episodes, I just kind of moved the story along. And from what I gather, reading some, I think they're trying not to spoil it, but like they can't help it. But like, when I read some of the people's reactions online, this, the first five with the younger actresses,
1: is just the setup to what comes next so all of right that's the thing like i we're getting a spark notes version of the story that they're trying to tell and i don't know why like what because maybe what is what is the rest of the like i thought this was an effective hour of television in terms of creating drama through characters and that sort of thing it is it is ludicrous the way the fact that this show went from like Game of Thrones went from being a show that was all about the journey right and like Arya is going to go take fucking six months to walk from King's Landing back north, right? And, like, the whole show is just about the journey. And, yeah, by the time we got to series seven of that show, and and now they just zip them across the globe at what amounts to, like, Concord speed, where, like, the king can leave King's Landing and go halfway across the planet. On a ship, and he's like leaves in the morning, and he's back right. at night, and there's there's no clear passage of time whatsoever, right? Except off screen, when we jump like two and four and three years at a time, like it doesn't make in, any in fucking this sense whatsoever. Latest
3: episode, I don't think they gave any mark her through the script of how long it's been i mean they the
1: the very young
2: no they said that the kid is still a baby
1: yeah but that doesn't track with the fact that like the young tw- 10 year old girl, girl is, now is now grown up to, yeah and yeah, is now flirting is with damon so she's like, she none was, of it yeah none of the, the 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 things actually track you just have she to three rel- years
2: probably she was like 12 and now she's probably
3: 15
1: no she's a mat- very mature 15 if that's what they were going for but, but
3: it, 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 the, the reason why I, uh, it, it it feels like they're oh they're just going through all of this just to get to the main part is because there was one glaring uh, weakness of this episode and it was the dude bro who's guarding uh, whatever saying hey how about we just piss off and go somewhere like the worst argument like are you kidding me i stand to yeah, very, inherent
1: very all very cheesy that this, the the guy who is her swarm protector right. Sir Kristen Kristen. then insists that like shouldn't we just like bugger off and like you give up your name and your title and we go become outlaws and fall in love in Essos or whatever right which sounds terrible by the way she's
2: like nah yeah and
3: (laughs) this sets them off and so it's like they must be ripping through like 100 pages worth of uh, uh, like book material because they went from
1: his motivation for snapping and and murdering that guy at the wedding was total garbage
2: i was sitting there and i was like why is he doing this why did he do that
3: and he wasn't even being like uh like blackmail like he was like hey we're you know mutually been a destructive kind of information we both have of each other
1: like it wasn't like Right. it's it's very much it was very much the shorthand of I'm a man who cares a great deal about my honor to the point where I'm willing to be m- like I want the queen to kill me because I have done a dishonorable thing, and then to have that shoved into his face by somebody who like proudly flaunts his dishonor, essentially by saying like not not only am I an awful gay who like bangs my my king buddy, but I know that you are similarly awful like me. So that was the shorthand that they were going for. Oh, you is think that, that this the gay portion not... had a, a, a Yeah, This guy could not abide. He could not abide. Finding himself on the same level as...
2: Adultery part.
1: It was a gay adulterer and and proud about it. And then, therefore, he snapped. Yeah, like, whatever. It's fine. I just... I don't understand. If if this is all just prelude, then what we got in the first episode was prelude to the prelude when they talked about what happened in the previous generation. And then we skip a whole generation to get here to get five episodes of prelude to the story that they actually want to tell... Like, is there, are there going to be six or seven seasons of this? Well, like, what I, are we? I, from what I read, they said three or
3: four. So I guess the. I mean, I guess they're going to ramp it up because it seems like it's this very shaky uh, succession plan of his daughter taking over when this guy and it, what a terrible ailment this guy has. Whew. Uh, by the way, the leeches are clearly not working, but whatever. Right. Uh, but like the succession plan is like you know as some have. Uh, made the point over and over oh the the people or the system won't uh uh accept this like a woman to be the queen or running the whole thing and so it sounds like the alicent or whatever her name is the one that showed up in green at the end uh yeah she's gonna be on one side and her kid uh and then Rhaenyra is going to be on the other side. I guess that's going to be the the next five episodes, just
1: that conflict. It's a fine show, and we'll keep watching it. It's just I still don't know what the precise appeal is here because there are no real sympathetic characters. There are no obvious good people who you can be rooting for. You don't always need that, but it certainly helps uh, in terms of not being punished by the awful people in front of you all the time. The king sort of fills that role, but he's so inept and and like as decent a man quote unquote as he might be or they might be portraying him to be he's such a loser that it doesn't matter i said to Lori as we were watching the show that four times in four or five episodes he's been given dialogue that would serve perfectly well as the last thing said by this character yeah. and he's, he keeps coming back like every week i'm like okay that'll be the last thing said by this guy Cause he gives this whole thing about like, he's talking to his buddy, the, the new hand. And he's like, I guess sometimes it's better to not find oh. out whether or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, Maybe it's better not to have your metal tested if you were going to fucking fold in right. the face of the test. Right. And it's like, well, that's a good line to die on right. for like the fifth fucking time in five hours of television. They've given him the line to die on. I, I, and we see a preview of the next episode, and it's set 10 years in the future, and he's still sitting there on the throne wait, hacking up a lung. Okay,
3: so I don't watch the uh, whatevers. So I, 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 obviously there's going to be a time jump because of the new actresses, but like he's still alive? Like said, yeah, he's still alive. He would basically like he didn't didn't actually die at the wedding at the end of this episode, but like soon thereafter, and ten years later, nope.
1: The, ten years from now, he's still alive. He's like
3: you can see his face; he's not and like to, my guess. Totally...
1: My guess, my guess is that he will like that that whole scene where he's talking to his buddy about how he wishes that he had been tested. He will get that wish, and he will die wishing that in fact, right. he hadn't right. been tested right. because he is going to fold miserably. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all that we watched that's worth talking about. I can't remember anything else.
2: I watched
1: Friday at all? I don't know. We uh, our lives are completely overwhelmed by the children's fucking sports <laughs> and activity schedule. It's completely out of control. Anyway, you uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. williams who's an american expat who lives in paris he's a black guy who wrote uh what do you call it Uh, it, i'm gonna be such a mess when i'm 80 years old and i can't come up with words
2: you have google you have a whole internet
1: i don't you don't google to find the word memoir when it won't come out of your fucking mouth when you're trying to talk (laughs) I you were
2: looking for a specific title. No,
1: Google's not going <laughs> to serve me up memoir if I can't come up with the word memoir. By 80, your robot you servant will well, like, I think
2: tell you. of a title. Had to do. It gives me these scenarios and whether it affects the Are you racializing
1: economics or being disgusted by economics? When black. Black economics.
2: Okay. Yeah. What did you think I was saying?
1: Sounds. Sounds black economics.
2: No, that doesn't. Racialized. That wouldn't be a funny pun. Uh, the effect on the unemployment rate or the labor force participation rate or both. Scenarios are: after an unsuccessful job shirt search jake gives up looking and retires whatever latasha is on maternity leave and will resume working in two months whatever nick has a birthday becomes an adult and starts looking for a job rosa dies working long hours at the (laughs) office just like shit (laughs) getting fucking bleep yeah who was the most productive
1: it was rosa (laughs) be like rosa
2: Jesus Christ. I read it like three times. I was like, that says Rosa died, right?
1: misogynistic tickle when I watch the girls do their...